The biggest piece of the resilience training has come with that commitment, which is whatever happens, this is still something I said was important. Google defines resilience as your ability to recover quickly from difficulties, which is your toughness. So how do we get more resilient? Whether you're a champion of pushing through in tough times or you're really struggling right now with those goals you've set for yourself, listen in as Pam and I break down the three components of resilience, which will help you identify how you can increase that toughness. Because when the going gets tough, resilience keeps you going. I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales a non-conformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lapa 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. Welcome to the show, Pam. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. <laughs> we're glad to have you. Today, we're going to talk about resilience. Pam, what the heck is resilience? So there's a few different definitions on resilience, but the one that I think everybody can kind of wrap their arms around is the ability to adapt and bounce back when things don't go as planned. And I know that's how I utilize my definition of resilience and how I look to strengthen resilience is based on that definition. Adapt and bounce back when things don't go as planned. How do you get resilience? So... I actually took a course on resilience when the pandemic initially hit. It's funny, I've always been told one of my challenges is learning how to adapt and bounce back when things don't go as planned. So in the back of my mind, I think I've convinced myself that I've done a decent job at trying to strengthen my resilience. But then when I took this course, it really highlighted what's necessary in order to continue to strengthen your resilience. And here's the good piece. This course taught me that resilience can be learned and you can strengthen your resilience. And so I loved my psychology professor that taught this particular course. And she talked about the three key elements that are necessary as a human being in order to start developing and strengthening your resilience. And number one is challenge. You have to start seeing difficulties as a challenge, not as a negative or a paralyzing event. So I love that. Number two, commitment. People that have strong levels of resilience are extremely committed. They have goals. They see those goals through despite what happens. So that commitment level is key in moving forward on resilience. And then number three, understand what personal control means. And basically, that means that you have to understand what things are in your personal control and what things are not under your personal control. I think our resilience levels fluctuate over time. So there could be periods of life, you start a new job, and maybe your commitment is not quite there because you don't really know if this is your forever home, career-wise. So I completely understand that perspective, but the way... I think we all need to think about resilience is your ability to be productive in good and bad times. And the element of being able to be productive in good and bad times should be able to then work its way through what you're saying, which is, hey, I just started a new job. I'm not sure this is where I'm going to make my lifelong commitment. So why the heck am I going to have goals if I don't even know this is where I want to be? So as opposed to looking at it from that lens, try to look at it as, you know, my job is to stay productive, good or bad. 
I've got to figure out a way to stay productive. And as we all know, especially when starting a job or experiencing a job that has a lot of changes, like we experienced through the pandemic, it's that level of productivity that's really important when it comes to resilience. I can definitely relate to that part of it. When I think about each of these three aspects of resilience, when we talk about challenge, I'm going to share maybe some talk tracks that I've had in my head during times where I was less resilient. So when I think about challenge and looking at difficult situations, one of the things that I would tell myself is, oh, this is happening to me again. Great. More work for me. You know, this isn't my job, but I still have to do it. This is crap. Yep. And it's funny, one of the ways you develop higher levels of resistance, she calls it editing your outlook. You have to think very differently about your thoughts, learn how to reframe them, practice through awareness. That's a big piece of resilience. And one of the things that I did to flip that script was tell myself, all right, this is a new experience. What could I learn from it? For me, one of my core values is learning. So I always default to what am I going to learn from this experience? Well, and one of the things, too, they talk about with resilience is not only do you want to learn, but you want to implement from failure. So they talk about that quite a bit is you learn from your failures and then you adapt as a result of your failures. And so one of the things that they talk through is when you have an experience that challenges you, you have to be able to identify something good that came from that, something that you took from that and allowed yourself to get better at as a result of that failure. And I really like that piece because I don't know that that's the piece I did very well historically. I would say, okay, yep, I learned a lot. This was great. But then nothing really changed. It's just like, okay, well, I learned from it. But what did I change about myself as a result? What did I learn about myself that I need to be able to take with me the next time adversity hits me? The other piece I liked about how to become more resilient, and I know this may sound odd, but you have to anticipate adversity. And as long as you have that mindset that says, you know what, right now all is well, but I know that's not reality. And I know at some point in time, adversity is going to show up on my doorstep, but that's okay. I'll be ready for it because of all the things I've learned about myself and the way I've been able to evolve as a result of that adversity. So believe it or not, adapting this mindset of, you know, adversity will come my way is vital in developing resilience. And I think, including myself, we all like to just, hey, things are good right now. Things are good right now. It needs to stay this way. And it's not going <laughs> it never to stay stays. that way. Yeah, it's not going to stay that way. So being able to anticipate adversity is a key way to develop resilience as well. And there are two mindset activation thoughts that I keep in the back of my mind at all times. Losses or lessons. What have I learned? That's the question I always ask myself whenever I come across a tough situation, losses or lessons, what have I learned? And then the other thing I tell myself, and I got this from Kevin Bailey's mindset course that I took about a year ago, and I'm going back for round two here soon. He tells us, anytime something unfortunate has happened or you're faced with adversity, remind yourself that this is the best thing that could have happened. And you immediately start looking for the silver linings in the situation. I'll give you an example. I got a new car and I spilled coffee all over my brand new car. This was about a year ago. Said, this is the best thing that could have happened. I haven't cleaned the seats yet. I needed to clean the seats. They were dirty. I don't know who sat on these before me. Needed to clean the seats. My ice maker in my apartment, it broke and it flooded the entire kitchen. 
best thing that could have happened. Why? Because I needed to wash the floors. I don't own this place. This is great. Maintenance can come fix this. Good thing it wasn't my fridge that I own. So I'm immediately looking for positive aspects of any situation when it presents itself as very challenging. I feel like one of the ways you strengthen resilience is to set goals and see those goals through, hence commitment. It's the one thing I have benefited from the most in my resilience training. If I set a goal to run four miles a day for 100 days, and if things start to get in the way of me being able to do those four miles every day for 100 days straight, that's where the resilience training comes in. That's where the, okay, it's going to be tough today. All right, landed at one o'clock in the morning. Didn't get my run in this morning. Guess I'm going to have to do it tonight. This is the best thing that could have happened. Why? So I like the thought of, from a commitment standpoint, people with high levels of resilience don't let those challenges take them off course. Now, it may have to extend it a bit. I just finished a personal 12-week goal, and I sent my picture last night to my accountability buddy on this particular goal, and it took me an extra week because I got set back. I tore a muscle in my leg as part of what I was doing for this goal. So it took an extra week. And for those of you that know me, when it comes to commitment, I take that very seriously. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. I made this commitment. It's going to take an extra week. That's okay. I'll get it done. So for me, the biggest piece of the resilience training has come with that commitment, which is whatever happens, this is still something I said was important. I need to reflect back on why it was important and understand my ability to develop a different talk track around this challenge is going to be key on me obtaining this goal. And I think the one thing I continue to remind myself is, and I say this to myself, you know this, Kylie, I say this all the time, I like doing hard things. I like doing hard things. And just repeating that over and over to myself does reframe sometimes when I'm hit with challenges. Another thing that I do is to think about my future self. When I need to be reminded of that commitment aspect, I remind myself of who I am trying to become and what that vision of me looks like, what she does, how she acts, what she attains in life. And I constantly go back to visualizing my future self. And it could be something as stupid as staying committed to my nutrition and fitness goals. I hired a nutrition coach and every meal is an opportunity for me to either stay committed to the plan and the goal, or it's an opportunity for me to make an excuse and stray away from the plan. When I think about, okay, am I going to order the salad or am I going to order the pizza that I really want? Well, I go back to, okay, what will future Kylie be grateful for? What decision right now will future Kylie appreciate? And it goes back to having compassion and empathy for your future self. So that's another way you can tap into that commitment aspect of resilience. So the last one is personal control and how we look at the situation. And I know a lot of times when we get faced with difficult situations, especially at work, let's say you are a busy sales professional and your account executive, the person who does the day-to-day -day operations, they quit or they're having some sort of mood and 
productivity is completely down or gone. And you're faced with this decision of, okay, now what can I control? What can I not control? You know, it's pretty easy to go to a place where you're in this headspace of this is BS. This is always happening to me. Now I have to wait on HR to hire a new person, or maybe they're having personal issues. And instead of having empathy, we're thinking they need to get their stuff together and get a grip on their workload. <laughs> Lots of different ways in which we can react in that situation. So Pam, what are some of your thoughts on how you can look at a situation like that and say, all right, what can I control? So probably the biggest thing around that I learned in this course is maintaining perspective. And it's one of, again, the 10 or 11 different ways they teach you how to become more resilient is to maintain that perspective and not always looking at the negative, but understanding what I can be grateful for. And that's another piece is that optimism practice through awareness. So the maintain perspective, it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be. To your point, my big issue on this, as you can imagine with personal control, is travel. I don't have a say in when my planes take off and when they land. I don't have a say on when routes get shifted and everything gets thrown off. And for me, for those of you that know me, the personal control is a very difficult one for me. And so the maintain perspective is the piece that I've taken the most from in those situations where I'm now in the airport and hour two delay, hour three delay, and I used to just spiral out of control and talk about all these horrible things that were going to happen over the next 24 hours versus, okay, maintain perspective. I'm going to get there. I have a wonderful opportunity to go coach my clients live. This is something that not everybody gets to do. How can I maintain perspective? Talk about the future tomorrow. I won't be dealing with this. So there's an end to this. I won't be dealing with this tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be able to get to bed on time and all will be well. So that's probably been the biggest piece for me. And then believe it or not, on the personal control, learning how to relax. But it's funny, they talk about learning how to relax through sleep, not just you know learn how to relax and sit there and do nothing, but learn how to relax through sleep. And that's had a correlation for me. And it's funny, again, for those of you that have known me when I hit the pandemic, I don't know that I gave a lot of credence to understanding how to get more quality sleep. And so in this course, they talk about learning to relax as a way to start getting better at that personal control piece. And I have seen a lot of good stuff as a result of learning how to get more effective sleep in order to not spiral out of control when things don't go my way. And then probably to the be flexible. The other thing they talk about is things are going to change. There are going to be things that come into play that you weren't planning on. And how are you able to pivot in those necessary times? A lot of times we catastrophize. Uh-huh. Right? Where we sure do. <laughs> our brains are hardwired to go to the negative because we're on the lookout for danger. We are trying to protect ourselves from anything that could harm us. And so our immediate gut reaction is to go to a negative place. And I once heard a quote that really has stuck with me about worrying. A lot of times when we go to this negative place, it's negative thoughts on something that is very unlikely to happen or we have no evidence to support that it is happening. And one thing I always remember is that worry is like carrying an umbrella around waiting for it to rain. <laughs> Love Could that. you imagine if we all were walking around outside with open umbrellas on a perfectly sunny day, 
That's what we're doing every time we carry around worry. It's just negative energy that we're wasting. So one other component to this that we can exercise is some reality testing, which is an emotional intelligence skill. And what this reality testing skill helps us do is determine what's real and what are we making up in our heads. So let's think about your travel example, Pam, while you're sitting in the airport and thinking, well, am I going to get home in time to make all of my meetings tomorrow? Am I going to have to reschedule my whole day tomorrow? Well, really, the information you have right now is not telling you you need to worry about that yet. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's so true. So all we can do in that moment is listen to what's happening right now. What is reality telling us that we're working with? And if your flight does get canceled, okay, we'll figure out what that plan needs to look like. But guess what? You've been there before. You know how to handle this situation. And I think that's one other component of building resilience is going back into your Rolodex of events that you've been through in your life and saying, okay, have I been in a situation similar like this before? What can I do? to help myself in this situation? What helped in the last situation? What did I learn from that situation? Well, and it's funny. That's why I like to take pictures sometimes as visual reminders when hard things do happen and we all get through them just fine. And when you are in that moment again, I take out my phone. I look at that picture. I think that's a great example, Kylie. I've been here before and I know how to do this and it's going to be fine. I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I think that's key with resilience. Well, and I think the other thing, if you're sitting there in the airport, your flight just got canceled and you've got to wait a couple hours before you can get into a hotel or something and you tell yourself, this is the best thing that could have happened. Now I can catch up on all my administrative stuff. Exactly. Exactly. That gratitude, that's a big piece too. We've talked about resilience and I'm wondering, what is the relationship between resilience and burnout? I think a lot of times people in today's workforce are, they feel threatened by burnout. And if they work too hard, then they're going to burn out. If they're too committed to their job, they're going to burn out. And if you're not committed enough to family in your personal life, then you're going to burn out. What is that relationship with resilience and burnout? So once again, practice through awareness, reframe your talk track I do think it goes back to what you're looking to accomplish, that level of commitment within your goals, both personal and work. And then for me, and I know this is going to sound odd, but my coach actually in the first couple, I would say years four and five of working with Lappin, he helped me be able to go longer sprints of time before I needed that rest and recovery. And I think I had convinced myself, don't ask me why, okay, well, if I go this hard for this long, then I'm going to need this much time to relax. And so again, back to learning how to look at these things a little bit differently and kind of redefine my perspective on all of it. I find more joy now in going a little bit harder and then utilizing different ways to get that relax, that to your point, avoid the burnout, just don't look at it the same way I used to. And I know, I know that's because I've been able to strengthen my resilience. And again, in my younger days, this was something that I got a lot of feedback that I wasn't very good at. 
And so now I find myself in a position where I don't burn out as quickly anymore. I don't. But I look at things a lot differently. I've reframed my perspective. I have a set of goals that I am committed to and learning how to maybe go the distance and while I'm going the distance, do things that will allow me not to burn out as quickly. And it's funny, it's probably a lot more joyful for me than when I wasn't going this hard and I had plenty of what I would call downtime. It's just funny how it's shifted for me, quite a bit actually. And what you're describing, Pam, we talked about in my mindset course, and it's this concept of equanimity where if you go back to the example you shared, Pam, about how we go so hard and you know, then we need a vacation. The problem with that is as soon as you get back into the normal swing of things, you're right back into the mindset that you left when you went on vacation. So you're not doing yourself any favors by taking this ride where you have high highs and low lows. And when we think about equanimity, think of it as your roller coaster barely goes up and it barely goes down. And when you think about equanimity as my variance in the highs and the lows is much shorter to where I'm more even keeled and at this place where, all right, I got to volume it up a little bit, but I know. I'm not going to get super worked up about it. I'm not going to be super down about it when something negative happens. It allows you to maintain this middle state where we're not inundating our body with dopamine on the highs and cortisol on the lows. It's a more balanced level of neurochemicals that will help you become happier overall because it's releasing serotonin, which is that happy neurochemical that we all want more of. I do think we have to reframe the way we think about some of this. The ability to become more resilient, I think, will allow you to minimize those highs and lows because you're not operating under this well, it has to be the perfect scenario in order for me to function properly. And again, that's not how it works. And it took me a long time, too long, to get my arms wrapped around that concept. Well, and I think it's hard because all of these mindset tools and techniques are really great. And we tend to be more inclined to use them when things are good. And then when things are challenging and hard, it's like all of those techniques go right out the window because you're in stress mode and all you can think about is the issue at hand when really you'd be able to think more clearly about the issue at hand if you were using some of these mindset tools. I really like that. I really like that point, Kylie. I hope everybody hears that. It's easy to use the tools when things are going well, and it's easy to say, oh my God, what do you expect me to do? I'm dealing with this right now. I can't, I can't. go meditate. Yeah. <laughs> and it, gosh, that's such a good point. That's okay. Now it's time to execute on these things. Again, stay productive in good and bad times. Yep, absolutely. I know we've already mentioned a couple of the tools that we've leveraged in learning more about resilience. Anything you'd add to the list, Pam, for our listeners if they want to get more information on how to dial up their resilience? If you Google just how do I become more resilient, there's a lot of good online courses that are still being offered today on resilience. There's just a lot of good information out there. But I will tell you, the number one thing that they talk about in order to start getting good at resilience is committing to goals and sticking with those goals. If you can start there and even just, she called it a trial period, okay, this week, 
This is the one thing I'm going to do no matter what else gets in the way to start testing your level of resilience, testing your ability to what I call push through the suck no matter what because you committed to something. So that's always just a good start is to kind of test your level of resilience, put something in front of yourself that you know is going to be a challenge and see how you deal with it. See what you do have in your tool bag to deal with it and see where maybe you're lacking a little bit. Absolutely. I would also say a good book that we've read as a team is Extreme Ownership. Oh, yeah. Pam, key takeaways from this conversation that you want our listeners to really hone in on. You can strengthen your resilience. You can learn resilience. And in my humble opinion, it's probably one of the greatest skills that you can develop in order to continue to live the life that you want to live for yourself. In other words, you can have it all, right, Pam? You can have it all. (laughs) So I've got a few questions for our listeners to think about as you sign off on today's episode. Just some questions to chew on. One, what area of resilience do you think would be most helpful for you to focus on? So we've got that challenge aspect, the commitment aspect, and then control. So of the three C's, which one do you think is a blind spot for you? Second question would be, what are your goals? Do you have them? Can we clearly articulate them right off the bat? And you should be able to show somebody your goals and where you're managing those goals and your progress towards those goals. Absolutely. And third question here goes right along with what Pam just said. How would we know you're committed to them? Mm, I like that question. So those are the questions for you to chew on. Thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. That's L-A-P-P-I-N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right. Do we have another episode? <laughs>